everybody excited today? <laughs> you didn't let me finish. <laughs> that Jesus is alive, amen? So, so grateful for all that he has done for us, and we celebrate that today, and we're excited to celebrate it with you. I'm glad that you joined us here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this means for us. Why does this matter? Why does what Jesus did for us matter so much? And we're going to talk about that today. But I want to begin by just saying this, that you matter. You matter. You, you are valuable, and you don't need to look any further than what God has done for you through Jesus Christ to know that that is a fact. You matter. You're valuable. So today we celebrate that life, the life of Christ, the hope that it gives us. But I'm going to ask us real quickly, if we would, just to right now, just pause and give Jesus the hugest cheer we've given anything and anybody today because of what he's done. Come on, give Jesus a big shout today. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But now I want us to turn our attention to each other, to each other, because here's what I know. I know that right now the person sitting next to you might be struggling. They might be going through a tragedy, walking through a difficult season, might be trying to find their purpose, get their balance in life, figure out what the future looks like, answer those questions, what's next? You know, we never really know where people are in their journeys, but we have an opportunity every day of our lives, and that is to stop and to recognize our collective humanity and just look people in the eye and say, you're valuable. You matter. So let's do that right now. Just look at the person next to you and just tell them from your heart, you matter. You're valuable. And I get how awkward that can be, especially if you don't know the person sitting next to you. And I also get, I'm taking a huge risk in having you do that because you might say, I'm never going back to Family Life Church. That pastor will make you look at somebody and tell them they're important. But you know what? I'll sleep well tonight. You know why? Because I know if you didn't get anything else out of today, number one, if you didn't get anything out of the music, I'm not sure that you have a pulse. But if you didn't get anything else out of today, you will have heard that you matter and you're valuable. And for me, that's the message of the cross. The message of the cross is not turn or burn. It's not people are evil. The message of the cross is not get right or get left. That's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross for me is not debatable. It's God saying to us, you matter and I love you more than you'll ever know. That's the message of the cross. But then there's the purpose of the cross. The purpose of the cross is so that we can bridge the gap between us and God. The reason the cross has a purpose is because the cross has a message. The message is I love you and the purpose is I want to be with you. So I want you to know today that God loves you. And I believe that this really is a, a, it's a, critical, a critical message for us to hear, but not only to hear, critical for us to receive it. It's critical for us to embrace the love of God, that we're valuable because God loves us. Because for me, in my opinion, I believe that it's the key to a truly, truly fulfilled life. And here's what we know. We know that today that more than ever, people are struggling 
with self-worth. They're struggling with identity. They're struggling to find their purpose. And they're, they're looking to fulfill that in myriad ways. So many different ways that we'll go after it. Now, Forbes magazine, I often read Forbes magazine for the stats that we get on the business level, but Forbes magazine recently published an article. And in that article was a very powerful small statement that simply said this, that CEOs may be depressed at more than double the rate of the general public. We know today that teen depression is at all time critical red alert level highs. We're in an epidemic in our culture today in the area of teen depression. Why would I bring up a topic like this on such a happy day on Easter? Here's why. Because I recognize this may be my last best chance for many people for me to be able to say these words to you. God loves you and your significance is bound up in the love of God. You have to look no further than God's God's love to know that you're valuable and that you matter. And I want you to hear that today. One of the reasons I believe that we see these things with CEOs, people who achieve, how is it possible you achieve the height of your professional career? How is it possible that you're young and have your whole life ahead of you and yet people are feeling helpless and depressed and hopeless. How's that possible? I believe it's because when they arrive at these moments, they believe that all these things would do certain things for them, would bring them significance, and they didn't expect it to be empty. Our our immediate reaction might be to say, well, then don't be a CEO. Don't, Don't pursue purpose. Don't go after that dream. Just chill out because life is more important than than all those things. But somebody had to CEO the chairs you're sitting on. Somebody had to CEO the restaurant you're going to go enjoy after church. Somebody had to CEO the car that you drove to church this morning. So for me, the answer is not running from purpose. The answer is redefining your source of significance. And I believe that when we take that step to redefine that source of significance is when we find true purpose, true value in who we are. Now, we know we definitely see these things as a pattern early on in our lives. You know, when we're young, we're just starting out in our teen years. It's it's all about who we hang out with. It's all about the likes and the, hey, what's up, Layla? You doing good? It's good to see you this morning. Oh, you want a selfie? Yeah. What's up? It's all about the likes and the social network and who you hang out with. It's all about the studies and pursuing that, getting into that one college. It's all about being the athletic achievement, the academic achievement. It's all about what's next and gaining acceptance into that one social group. And so you go hard after those things. You pour your time and your energy into going after them. You spend the time exercising, working it out, doing the schoolwork building up the social media following and all those things. And you think, man, if I can just get there, if I can just get to that point, then my life will matter. Then I'll be significant. Then my life will mean something. And so we work and we sweat and we get there and we don't expect it to be empty. So we grow up, we wise up, we get a little bit older. And then it becomes about the house. It becomes about the career. It becomes about being accepted 
by those that are around us that we find valuable, what others say success might be. And we say, you know, if I could just accomplish something significant, if I could just find a cause to connect to, if I could just build this business, if I could just establish this team, then, then it'd be, it'd be, okay. Hey man, what's up? Okay, yeah. Now, whenever you're ready, you take your time. Oh, cool, man, how you doing? Good, good to see you. Thank you, thank you. I'm doing great, buddy, thank you. Yeah, go ahead, man, step on over here. So we go after those things, don't we? We spend our time pursuing them, building them day, night, burning the candle at both ends, sacrificing family, doing everything that we have to do, and we're convinced that this is it. If I can just get to that point, if I can just reach that pinnacle, if I can just build that peace, then my life will mean something. I'll have significance. It'll, my life will have worth and value. And so we work hard, we make the sacrifices, and we didn't expect it to be empty. But, you know, we learn from those things. We grow up. We get wise. We get a little bit older. We put those childish things behind us. And then it's all about retirement. (laughs) Woo, retirement. Yeah, finally my freedom. Going to head to Caracas. Let's go. Going to hang out with the grandkids. Going to finally do all the things I couldn't do because I was grinding in the corporate world. But now I'm free. I'm going to finally be who I want to be. And we head out into that next phase of our lives. And we work it. We worked hard. We put in 30 plus years at that business. We got the gold watch. We got all the accolades. And we're like, this is it. Finally in my life, I've arrived. And we get there and we think, man, if I can just make it to this point, then I'll matter. Then I'll mean something then my life will have been worth it. There'll be a sense of significance and we didn't expect it to be empty. Here's what we know. The truth is, is that many, many people today on unprecedented levels are suffering from anxiety. They're suffering from depression. They're wondering, does life really matter? The effect that we have seen of this in our culture is absolutely astounding. It's reached critical levels, but it's not connected to a lack of activity. It's not connected to a lack of options. It's, it's not connected to a lack of causes. There are plenty of those things to go around. But the truth is, is that we're not designed to receive our affirmation from what we do or who we impress. We're not designed to receive our significance from the things that people say or what they think about who we are, it's, it's, it's too tenuous, it's too fickle, it's too up one day and down the next. You can't count on them. How many times in my life, as a young man, I performed for others, for my family, get out and do something spectacular, only to look up and see nobody watching. We look for significance and affirmation in those things, but we can't control it. And so today we're pursuing that in so many different ways, but we're not getting what we need from it. And I believe it's the result of a God void in our lives. That the spaces God was meant to inhabit, we're trying to allow other things to take that space and bring us our self-worth and self-importance. I have to keep my eye on this. I have to watch myself. So many opportunities, causes, events, pushes, things that we could do, things that we could be a part of, good things, important things. But at every opportunity, I have to ask myself an important and difficult question. 
Why do you want to do this? And often I'm confronted with some truth in my own heart. At the end of the day, I want to do it because it makes me feel good. I want to do it because others will look at me and go, wow, he is amazing. Look at what he's able to do. And here's what I recognize is I ask myself, why, why would I pursue that? Why would I go after that? Well, it's because it makes me feel good. And when I do that, I place all the weight of who I am on the response and the reaction of others. I put the fullness of my significance in the hands of an outcome. We're not designed for that. That doesn't mean they're bad causes. It doesn't mean that there are things we shouldn't be involved in. It doesn't mean there are things that we shouldn't do. It just means that my perspective has to be right. Or it could be another dead end in my life. You know, embracing the love of God, I believe, as a source, as my only source of strength and value means that rather than these things bringing significance to me, I get to bring significance to them. That's how we're built. I can only do that if I find my values in another source, if I find my values in who God has created me to be. Now, when I was just a little kid, about five years old when I started playing baseball, and I played, uh, I played t-ball up at Marion Harding High School, the baseball field there, played for the Wildcats. I can still remember the t-shirt I had and the shoes I wore and the jeans I had on. Every Saturday, I would go out and play t-ball on the Wildcats team. That's a, that's a picture of me there. I'm in the front row. That's the Marion Mets. That's the year we won the World Series. A bunch of my friends in that picture as well. But we would play, we played baseball and I played early and I, I wanted to be a pro ball player. I played all the way through till I was 14, was on a traveling team. We actually touched on the outside rim of the Little League World Series round robin and so on. And we just had a great time. I loved it. I wanted to be a pro ball player. Well, I remember, I'll never forget one game I played when I was about eight years old. Formidable foe that we were facing. It was in the side yard of the house that I grew up in. I was eight, and my opponent was in her 40s. It was my mom. And she was bringing the heat that day. Her cutter was moving like crazy. And I had a little bat just my size, and I stood there by the big tree in our yard, and I poised myself for that pitch to come in. She was throwing some chin music and trying to get me to go after stuff out of the strike zone, but I was focused. She grew one right down the middle, and I stepped into that thing and crushed it, clear to the fence, about five feet behind her. I dropped my bat, and man, for all I was worth, I was running as fast as I could go, dust flying up, I was focused on first base. About a half a step from first base, I lunged out to touch it, and right when I did, mom comes swooping in with that ball, tagged me out, wrapped her arms around me, picked me up in the air, swung me around, put me down on the ground, and then kissed me on the cheek. What on earth were you thinking? I said, Mom, there's no kissing on the ball field. It makes me think of the story that we talk about today in Luke chapter 24. 
In Luke chapter 24, we know today we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And uh, in Luke chapter 24 and verse one, we read about the moment right before it's discovered uh, what Christ's destiny was. And so in verse one, it says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Aren't you glad today? He's risen from the dead. I'm so glad. But here's what we see. These ladies were hunting for something that had given them purpose. Their whole lives had, had hovered around and revolved around supporting the ministry of Jesus. Day in, day out, everywhere they went, they were there with him step by step through his entire journey. And, and they recognized, here's a moment for us to get to honor the one who's greatly impacted their lives. And so they took these spices, and it was custom tradition that they would have done this. They took these spices to go and lay on the body, and they thought to themselves, man, if we could just go put spices on his body, that would mean something. That'd be significant. If we could go and just one more time, give, just pay our respects, then, then that would mean all this journey was worth it. It, was, it, was, it meant something. It was significant. had purpose. And they didn't expect it to be empty. So they get here and they find these two men. And I, I want to read from a different version what these men said to them there at the tomb. This is out of the New King James Version. It says this, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, these men said to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? I want you to listen very closely now. I'm convinced that if these two angels could be right here today standing on the stage beside me and say to every one of us, the same thing they said to these women, I believe this is how they might say it today. Why do you seek significance from things that cannot provide it? Why do you seek life among things that are just a dead end? You're more valuable than that. You're more important than that. You matter more than that. God's proven it by what he's done for us. Your value is not found in the words of people. Your value is not found in the things that you build. It's not found in what you accomplish or where you go or where you've been or what you've done. Your value is found in what God has done for you the love that he's expressed for you. It doesn't mean you can't go. It doesn't mean you can't build. It doesn't mean you can't do. It just means that the first things are first, that the love of God is where you find your value and everything else springs out of that. Now, these two women had reached a point where their journey of living life with Christ was over, but it was just the beginning of living their life for Christ. Today, I believe that if you and I will choose, we can refashion, retool, restructure our realities so that our lives are lived not just with Christ, but for Christ, putting him first and recognizing our value. And that's the lesson I learned in that baseball game that day with my mom. No, I did not learn it then, but I've definitely learned it since. See, because when I was in that moment, it was serious for me. 
It was the bigs. This was it. My whole future was ahead of me. I saw it clearly. I could hear the roar of the crowd. I could see myself living my life playing baseball. And when I stood in that day against that Nolan Ryanette, you guys know who Nolan Ryan is, right? No? Okay. Really good pitcher. She threw that ball down the middle. I was Davy Concepcion, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, and Pete Rose all wrapped up in one. Let's go, baby. I raised that leg and I swung as hard as I could swing. That ball went flying and I started running as fast as I could run toward first base and my destiny was in front of me. And I thought, if I can just reach first, I can make it. If I can just get there, I'll be somebody. If I can make this happen, my life will mean something. I'm headed for that goal. And step after step, I could hear the roar of the crowd, and Tom Tony would have significance. And my dad used to say to me, son, if you, you he would say all the time, son, if you didn't spend so much time running in one spot, you could get there faster. <laughs> and that was just his way of saying kind of slow, boy. But I was running with everything that was inside of me. And I just knew that when my foot pounded that bag in our front yard over on Bellevue Avenue and the dust would fly up, that that would be the moment. I'd be getting a call soon. Son, we want to bring you to the bigs. Then my life would matter. And it was abbreviated. When a 40-some-year-old woman swooped in, doesn't get more humiliating than that. <laughs> Dashed my dreams, crushed my hopes, or so I thought. Here's what I learned from that moment. The base didn't matter. The dream didn't matter. Who I would become was insignificant. It's who I was loved by that mattered. It's who had the heart to pick me up, had the guts to tag me out. Guys, our kids need to learn how to live with adversity. They need to learn what it means to almost reach first and not quite get there. And then go back and get in the batter's box and do it again. I'm glad that my mama tagged me out, but don't ever do it again. It wasn't all those things that made me important. What made me matter was the love of my mother. What I'm trying to tell you today is the race that you're running, the rat race you're going after, all the things you're trying to build are not what make you important. What makes you important is the love of God. That makes you matter. It makes you valuable. Everything else, just icing on the cake. And what that will do for us is it will build in us the ability and the strength to withstand when the storms arise. Because things, careers, causes, friendships, marriage, parenting, those things were never meant to bring significance to us. We were meant to bring significance to them. My marriage does not define me. I get to define my marriage. My children don't define who I am. I get to define who they are. I get to bring significance. Why? Because I know who loves me. I'm settled in my identity in God. So words that people share with me, I often even deflect them. People come and say, man, that was amazing what you did. And I'll be quick to say, all glory to God. Because I recognize tomorrow, that same person might not like me very much. 
And if I ride that roller coaster, I am in for depression and anxiety and fear and loneliness and dark, dark days. But if I can rise above that, find my value in an eternal source, a God whose unconditional love will never diminish, whose light will never diminish, that I can find my value and that I can withstand anything anybody says, good, bad, or indifferent, because I know I'm valued. I'm loved. God's going to pick me up, swing me around, kiss me on the cheek and put me back down on the ground and say, get back out there, boy. And I'm thankful for that. You know, this frees us, guys, to pursue our, our gifts, to pursue using our gifts in a way that glorifies God and values people. And that's what we read in Ephesians 2, 4 here. It says, but God, who is so rich in his mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages and say, hey, look, see that? There's an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do all the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you see this? Do you see that where careers fall apart because we missed an assignment, where, where people might abandon us because we made a mistake, where age betrays us and our ability to, to keep up, where trends leave us in the dust, where popularity and opinion shifts, where the affirmation of the world ends, the love of God is just getting started. We gotta find our significance in that. And so maybe this is what you feel today. Maybe this is where you are. Maybe you feel like the things you've pursued have just been a dead end. Maybe you feel like I've tried and I've tried and it just has not given me what I felt like I needed. I wanna encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. God will help you bring, out, bring you out. He'll bring you out of that. And maybe you feel like that you've built a pretty good environment. You've built a pretty good reality. You've got a great job, great career. I've built a great business. I have great friends around me. I have a loving family. Things seem to be going really well. My health seems to be doing pretty well. I'm doing okay financially, and things are going really great. But now you recognize, but I see that I've done all that without Christ at the center. I just want you to know that at some point, that's going to show up. In fact, it might not even show up in this physical life, but it will show up in eternity. At some point, it's going to show up. So now is the opportunity to say, you know what? I can keep all this stuff. I just got some restructuring to do, some changing to do about my perspective, about the love of God. So if today you're young, I would just say to you that now is the time to start. You're just beginning out and you're trying to think of college and what's next and companions and who you're gonna marry and all those things. I would just encourage you to pause Make God the center of every one of those choices. Make him the center of every one of those options, those opportunities, and I believe that he's gonna bring you out into greater significance. Maybe you're at a place where you're past that point and you're starting to build your family, really starting to build your business. You're going after all those things. Things are starting to come together, but you recognize, you know what? I need to restructure. I need to put God at the center. I wanna encourage you 
to just stop and take that step. Make God the center. Make Christ the center of your life. Say, God, what is it you want for me? Begin to build your life and your family and your future around that, and God will take you to greater success than you ever could have imagined. And maybe you say, well, I'm beyond all that. I'm out here in the golden years. I'm heading to Aruba. <laughs> That's awesome. Go to Aruba. Bring us back some sunshine. But, but remember, there's more to your life. You have more years ahead of you. Refuse to live with regrets. Just say, God, I might have made mistakes throughout the first part of my life, and now here I am staring at the last chapter But if you'll say to God, I completely devote my life to you and your work, and I'll allow you to be the wisdom of my life, I believe that God will position you and put you in a place where you can run the last leg of this race and finish your race strong, stronger than you ever could have imagined. This is what God has for us, guys. Our significance is not wrapped up in stuff. It's not wrapped up in affirmative words. Oh, yeah, it's not bad to get them. It feels good. But at the end of the day, we know we matter because God loves us. We, we mean something. We're significant because God loves us. Can we give all these guys a big hand today? Great job, you guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm really glad that worked. I'm sure that the materializer was uh, running low on battery between services, so I'm glad that worked out. I hope this has been encouraging for you today. I hope you've heard the heart of what we wanted to communicate. And obviously that is your life is far beyond all these things. Take the opportunity to recenter your life on the love of God. Say yes to Jesus. I promise you, your life is going to get brighter, brighter, stronger and stronger when you make him the center of all you. Let's pray together today. Father, we're so grateful for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. God, I recognize that today this message, this idea might be new for some here today. It's definitely a challenge for all of us. But Holy Spirit, I know as you always do, you're able to shape and mold these ideas and these thoughts in a way that resonates with every heart, every heart. Thank you for doing that work right now. So while your heads are bowed today, you're just thinking about your own life. I want to encourage you. I know it might feel like, wow, I wish my, my, uh, my husband would have been here. I wish my friend would have been here. I wish my coworker would have been here. They really need to hear this. Let's just focus on us for just a second. Our choice, as you're considering your own life, where do you stand? Who's at the center of your life? From where do you draw your significance? And I'd love to give you an opportunity today to make Jesus the center of your life. Maybe you've never ever said to Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my life, shape me, mold me, lead me. Or maybe you recognize today, you know, I've been kind of doing it on my own, but I need to restructure, recenter. I want to pray with you today. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm going to ask you to do something simple but brave. I believe action is always connected to our faith. If you're here and you want to pray that prayer with me right now, nobody's looking around. It's just between you and God. You want to pray that prayer with me right now, I'm just going to ask you to simply just lift your hand and put it right back down. You're saying, that's me. That's me. 
That's me. I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray that prayer. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you for that. I have the courage to do that. Anybody else before we pray this prayer together? Say, that's just me. I want to do that. Excited for you guys. Church, aren't we excited to pray with our friends today? Yeah. Well, why don't you, why don't you stand up with me as we wrap up the service today? And we're going to pray this very important prayer. Can I just say it one more time? You matter. You're valuable. If I, if I could today, I would stare every one of you in the eye as you walked out of here, and I would just tell you, you matter. You matter. You're valuable. God loves you. Has a plan for your life. Let's just pray this prayer together right now. Everybody just say this after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for all you've done for me. For giving your life for me when I was not worthy. Forgive me of living disconnected from you. Forever assuming I could do this on my own. I recognize my need for you. And I express my desire for you. I invite you to forgive me of my sins. To bring me into relationship with you. And I commit to lean into your wisdom, to follow your leading, to make you the center of my life so that everything I do brings you glory and value to others. Thank you for saving me and for loving me. Amen. Come on, somebody give Jesus a big cheer today. So thankful.